0: Well, if you didn't know this morning for Mother's Day,
1: just looking around seeing some of the guys' reactions, that explains so much. <laughs> no wonder she's not talking to me right now. I'm sure there's a on the way home. So. <laughs> well, Mother's Day is a great day, but uh, it's, it's loaded with tremendous potential, and promise, but it's also loaded with potential hurt because everyone's got a different story. And uh, so we want to kind of recognize that this morning. You understand that that some women dread this day uh, of all days of challenges. Is the one day they dread the most? Maybe because
0: they long to have a child and haven't been able to, or they've lost a child, uh,
1: maybe a miscarriage, or maybe a child died way too early. Um, and so there's there's all kinds of hurts from that. Um, maybe other women, um, you know, they they struggle with the idea that. Be our mom but they secretly hate me, mom because it's so hard and so this becomes a very difficult day for them to, to, to celebrate and others it's a sad day because they lost their mom or they're far from mom uh, and then there's then there's others who just have a battle and so we, we want to recognize that this is the day that might be hard for you we want to stand with you we want to pray with you we want to love you and encourage you on this day at the same time though we do want to acknowledge and recognize moms. Moms have done a tremendous work. It is it is difficult work, and they they do so much. And so we want to we want to acknowledge them. We want to thank them. And so I'm going to ask all of the moms to stand up right
0: now.
1: We want to thank. We thank you for moms because we would be lost without them. And you have blessed us with, with these moms, and we're grateful for that and celebrate them and all that they've done. And so, Lord, would you let them know that they're loved and they're appreciated, not just today, but throughout the year, and that we would take those moments as you lead us and prompt us to show that appreciation to them in many different ways. So, thank you for them. In your name we pray. All right, kids, you can be dismissed off to Sunday school? Well, it's, it's good to have these days, days to pause and, uh, and remember, because I do think that especially moms can become such commonplace that we have these moms and they do so much for us that we kind of take it for granted. I, I remember growing up, I thought my mom was super mom. Cool, like she could do everything and, and do everything well and perfectly and, and I remember, growing up, she's always right. And she's always on my side. And I still remember that one moment where I was telling my mom something, and she couldn't remember that. And I thought, like, hey, no. you know, I was 28 years old. You know, you know I, I just grew up. I think I had the greatest mom. And, and uh, but looking back on it, I don't, I don't think I really took advantage of that. In terms of, I, I didn't thank her. enough and appreciate her. Enough. I think it's because it's so easy for us to get accustomed and to take for granted some of the most, most wonderful blessings that we've been given to us. For example,
0: when was the last time
1: you thanked God for running water? Clean running water. I and mean, you go to a tap, you turn it on, and it's clean, it's right there. You can drink it, you can wash vegetables in it, you can cook with it, all kinds of things. And, and there are parts of this world that don't have that. Or just electricity. Simple as that. Or well, being able to go and open up a fridge door or a pantry, you got food—all kinds of food. You know, we're, we're so accustomed to those things that we kind of take them for granted. But they are—they're incredible gifts for you and I to experience. Well, I think we do this with Jesus as well. That He has given us what the Bible calls an indescribable gift—a gift that cannot be easily or cannot be described fully with words—and and we got this wonderful gift. Romans 5, 17 talks about the gift of righteousness. The gift of God's love and acceptance to you and I. And, and it's easy, I think, for you and I to kind of take that for granted. So this morning what we want to do is we want to kind of pause and, and celebrate God's love for us. And, and really hopefully in our to, to see the power Because sometimes I think what we do is we say, well, I know God loves me. It's sort of like my mom loves me. And we've diminished, we diminished it, we dismiss dismissed it. It's almost like her love no longer matters because, well, she's wrong mom, she's supposed to, she has to. And so we kind of end that with God love. Yes, God loves me because he has to, he's supposed to, it. and sort And we lose sight of how magnificent his love and his acceptance, his approval is for you and I. So this morning we're going to look at the passage of Philippians chapter three, verses 7, 8, and 9. And you can follow along on uh, the screen with me here, but Paul writes here, For whatever things were gained to me,
0: those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that,
1: I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, and count them but rubbish that I may be in Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we we look at this topic of righteousness and approval and acceptance, you know, you sent your Holy Spirit to convict us of this very truth, to convince us of what you have done on that cross to convince us of what is true of us today, right now. And so I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would come and convict us right where we're at right where we need to be. Not to beat us up because that's not your heart, that's not what your Holy Spirit's gonna do. So would you also protect our minds from the enemy we best want to do that this morning? So we can hear directly from you, and we can experience the joy the freedom that comes with this gift. I'm looking forward to what you're going to do, what you're going to say to me, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. All <clears> behavior <throat> okay, is motive driven, to some level, to some degree. We're, we're making choices all the time, hoping to accomplish a particular goal. So, for example, husband. You go out and you buy flowers for your bride on Mother's Day because you want to show her, you want to tell her how much you appreciate her, how much you acknowledge all the work she's done. And so you have a motive in that that you want to love your, your bride, you want to love your, the mother of your kids. But sometimes, often actually, we have a combination of motives. We have some mixed motives in there. So on one part, husband, you want to buy flowers because you want to love and acknowledge your wife, and on the other side, you also want to doghouse. And so that is a little bit more selfish in nature, but nonetheless, those two motives kind of run side by side as you run out and buy flowers, right? And so that's kind of what we'll do for Paffy And So there's this, this idea of having a mixed motive, but the, the reality is there's always some motives, there's always something that we're attempting to accomplish, something that we're trying to uh, to achieve. And so each of us have these basic, fundamental and it doesn't matter about your gender, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your nationality. Uh, I've had the privilege of talking with a, a very diverse group of people, and the reality is every single person is looking for the same thing. We're all looking for these basic needs to be met. And to deny that they exist is, is foolishness. It's, it's pretending that, that you don't need air. And the reality is we all have these basic needs. So they're more than just the physical needs. They're more than just water and air and food and rest and so forth. We have some very deep personal needs. And those needs are to be accepted, to be loved, to be approved, to have some, some sense of confidence or, or capability within ourselves, uh, just to, to feel that we matter, that we have value and worth. And, and those needs are, are true for both men and women. Ultimately, what it's saying is they are wanting to be worthy of love. What's interesting, you know, is how men and how women achieve those goals are different. Speaking in general terms here, I think men, they typically, they determine whether or not they're worthy of that love by answering the question, do I have a limitation? See, for men, it's all about, you know, what can I accomplish? What can I offer? What can I do? Because if I can do that, if I have what it takes, if I'm strong enough, if I'm capable, if I'm smart enough, then I will be respected. Then i am matter. And if I matter, if I'm respected, then you will accept me, then you will approve me, Then I'll be loved. And so for men, they're trying to answer that question, am I worthy of being loved by, do I have? But women are a little bit different. Again, they have the same needs to be loved and accepted, but they're trying to answer that question by by determining, am I enough, or am I too much? Think about how many times, you women, you've asked yourself these questions. Am I pretty enough? Am I kind enough? Am I doing
0: enough at home? Am I doing enough with my kids? Am I doing enough with people
1: at work and at church? Am I helping out enough? Am I smiling enough and all these enough type questions, at the same time asking, am I too much? Am I too much of a burden? Am I too much of a mess? Am I
0: too emotional? Am I too much of a problem for other people? So they're trying to
1: answer these questions of, am I enough? And Am I not too much? If I could just somehow find that magical area that everything will be okay, because then, then I'll be finally worthy of love. Then I'll be finally worthy of acceptance. And so these questions, am I enough, am I too much, do I have what it takes? ultimately am I worthy of being loved, they never go away. They'll never, you'll never get to that point where you so answer that question that you never have to ask the question again. To, bring, to pretend that is just simply denying Because these questions, I think they're intrinsic to who we are. And, and they're there in part because the, the question, of the answering these questions, is how I answer how shame comes after. And then the simple reality is shame is coming after every one of us to some degree in some form at some point. And I say that because it all goes back to the garden. The back of Adam and Eve in that garden as a result of the fall.
0: When Adam disobeyed
1: God, it says that, that shame entered into this world. And that sense of there's something wrong with us, there's something flawed, that I'm no longer world. And that's why we've been trying to answer those questions. And so I want you to know it's not wrong to have a need to answer the question. It's not wrong that I need to know that I'm loved and I need to know that I'm accepted.
0: Some people will say, well, you
1: you shouldn't feel those things. It's not just being human. That's just normal. There's nothing wrong with having those questions. The real issue is how do I go about answering those questions? How do I go determine that I am accepted? That I'm not too much, that I do have what it takes, that I am worthy of that love and acceptance. Who do I turn to? Where do I go? What do I do? That becomes now the, the biggest question. And so without even realizing that what we're doing, it's sort of like you know, a, a newborn babe, right? A newborn baby doesn't have to be taught and explained now they you're born, now you need to eat, so begin to just kind of you know suck on your mother's breast and the milk will come out. They don't need to be explained that. And if they, are explained, they don't
0: understand. It's just instinctively, naturally, that's what we do. Why, in a similar
1: way, nobody needs to explain this to us. We just begin to naturally do it. We begin to look around. And we just begin to notice other people. People that we begin to admire. People that we begin to respect and look up to. People that in our mind seem to have it all together. Seem to have, quote unquote, figured out. And so I think, you know, what do I need to do to be like? And so we start to to think about that. What can I do? And notice the phrase there. Notice the, the verb. It's what can I do? We don't ask the question, what can I be? No, no, it's what can I do in order to be worthy of that love and acceptance? What can I do to be like these people that I admire? Because if I can do like that, then I will find that contentment. Then I will find that satisfaction. And so what we begin to do is we set out some standards. We set out some some expectations. We set out some some guidelines, some parameters by which we think, if I can measure up in these areas of my life, then you know what? Then I think I'll be okay. Then I'll be alright. And so we, we seek after that. And, and so we start to, to pursue all these standards. And, and we use these standards to measure how loved and how accepted I am. Now, don't think for a moment that you conquered this. Don't think for one moment that this isn't describing me. This is true of every single person. In fact, it's true of even the Apostle Paul. That's, that's what he was talking about later on in the passage we just read. He goes on to say. Not that I've yet achieved all this. Paul was still from time to time evaluating, am I doing enough? Do I have what it takes? Am I still worthy of being loved? He still struggled. And if the Apostle Paul struggled with that, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, Oh, we struggled with it. So if you're sitting there thinking, none of this look for me, then then you're in denial. We have another message for that later. But but the reality is every one of us. Find yourself at some point in this cycle, in this trap of trying to prove who we are by what we do. So what I thought we would do to help you identify this is, is list some of the common things that I find in my meeting with people, what they've done. Now, it's going to be some broad generalizations, and you might not find that all of these things apply to you, or some of them do and some of them don't. But The reality is hopefully it will get you to begin to think, what are the standards that I have on myself? And and you can identify these standards or expectations as anything when you fail to do it, you really begin to get down on yourself. You begin to beat yourself up. You begin to kind of kick yourself over. So for example, some people have this idea that I always need to be on time. And being on time means 10 minutes per week. And if I'm not 10 minutes early, then I'm not on time, then i have blown it, there's something wrong, and I get really, really upset with myself. That would be evidence of a statement, of an expectation that you are using to evaluate, am I okay, am I acceptable? So we're gonna look at just kind of four broad categories this morning. The first one here is don't fail. I find this is a big one in a lot of people's lives, just don't fail. And so that means don't sin. Ever, unless it's one of those you know those socially factable sins, right? The ones that we can't really, really nail down and measure, right? For example, like gossip. can nobody can actually know the line when is it going from gossip to how are you praying for it? That's all. I just thought we needed to know, Robin, what's going on, so we can better pray together. But oh, it's juicy. They get right? And <laughs> so we don't recognize that as gossip, but. So we don't kind of key on those ones. But there's other sins that are easy to measure. Easy to identify, right? Uh, So, you know, don't get drunk. uh, Don't lust. Don't swear. Right? Don't drink Pepsi, right? So we can recognize those sins. And so we avoid all those things. We get, you know, we begin to get down for ourselves. I blew it again. I got angry. I blew it Don't make mistakes, especially at home, right? Don't make mistakes with the laundry. Don't mix the colors. Don't make mistakes like forgetting
0: to do the laundry or forgetting to put away the laundry or or messing up the food and so forth. Don't hurt people with words, with actions. Maybe careless words. I
1: struggle with this one. Oh man, there's probably not a day that goes by where I don't evaluate and think about some of the things I said and how they could be misconstrued I think, oh man, have I I flown in? In fact, in in the last 20 minutes, I've already had those thoughts. While I'm up here speaking, oh, I should have said more about the moms, and I should have said more about those who struggle with more moms, and I just begin to think, oh, did I hurt anybody
0: Don't get fired,
1: because that means you'll be poor. Poor means you're failure. That's what our culture says, right? So don't get fired. Don't, don't blow it at work.
0: Don't let others down. Don't fail people, right? If you see you're gonna do something, make
1: sure you do it. Now, please understand, these, these aren't bad. I mean, it's really, really important that, to be a man or a woman of your word. That if you say you're going to do something, then go and do it. Especially as parents, because your kids are watching you and they need to know that you're trustworthy that way. So it's not wrong. It's not wrong to be a man or woman of your word. The problem is, do you begin to judge or evaluate yourself by? See, all these things that we're listening here, they're not necessarily bad. It's just that we've used them to determine whether I'm okay.
0: Don't be the reason the
1: project failed. Don't get frustrated and yell at your kids. That's a big one, right? Instead, always be like Mrs. Cleveland, right? Always smiling, always patient, always understanding. It's okay, Babe. Sometimes we play with grandma's ashes and we spread them all over the floor. It just happens from time to time. I understand. In a nice, calm, doped-up voice, right? I mean, that's sort of how we kind of judge ourselves, right? And most importantly, don't say anything that makes you look stupid, right? That's another thing. So don't fail. Another one is be strong, right? Be strong. Be powerful. This is a big one for God. Don't cry. Don't cry at work, don't cry at home. Just don't cry, period. Even when you're on your own, don't cry. Unless you're in the shower, and no one knows. Even God would know, right, so don't cry. And and for women, it's a big deal, too. I did cry, oh, they're gonna think I'm emotional, oh, they're gonna think I'm weak, oh, what does it mean? Don't cry, be strong. Always have all the right answers. just have answers. They don't have to be the right ones. Just have answers. That way you, you look like you know what you're doing. Never do it wrong. Say the right things. Never say no to people, right? You gotta make sure you're always there. You're gonna be super mom. You're gonna be super dad. You're gonna be super friend. You're gonna be super
0: whatever. Just always be there rescuing, helping people. And don't have struggles. Don't have issues. Don't ever let anyone see your limit. Because
1: if they see it, then what does that say to those? Oh, there's something wrong with you. So if you do have it, then you do. Make sure you hide it. Always be ready to go anywhere in the inside. Of you. Always be smiling. That's a big one for women often. Because if you're not smiling, what's wrong with you? Why are you you're so angry? So, make sure you're smiling. You'll
0: always be smiling. Look like you have it all together. Don't ever have a bad day.
1: Another standard or expectation that we often have for ourselves is to provide. To to produce. To to care for people. Right? Don't be lazy. Or at least don't be perceived as being lazy. Right? If you can't do something, always make sure you have a reason and excuse to explain why you should do it that way. Right? Don't be perceived as being lazy. Always be working. You know, not too long ago, I saw the movie The Founder. How many people have seen the movie The Founder? It's a story of McDonald's. I, I grew up in high school. I went. I worked at McDonald's for a number of years. And, and there was a line in there that only McDonald's employees would, would remember. But I heard it last I so hard. There's a moment in there where uh, Michael Keaton's playing Ray Kroc. He's kind of walking through the restaurant. He says, "If you got time to leave you got time to clean." And he hands him the cloth. That was the McDonald's saying over and over and over again. And so I, I took that one out. I was serious about that. You know, I was always making sure I was wiping something down, polishing something, cleaning something. Always got to be working, always got to be doing something. Again, don't be perceived as being lazy. Make sure you're bringing an income into home. And if, it, if it's, you're the primary breadwinner, make sure it's enough of and if you're not, well, you know, make sure you're bring something in, because otherwise you're not pulling your weight. So we put that pressure on ourselves sometimes. Lead your family. Husband to the spiritual heaven home, make sure you're leading your family, doing the devotions, praying,
0: and guiding, them. make sure you're doing it,
1: make sure you're doing it well. And your kids, make sure you're, you're leading them to, to trust God and, and to read their Bible and do their prayers. So make sure you're being that, that example. Need your family. Care for people. Meet all their needs. Even better, meet them before they even realize they have them. Because then you'll be great. Then you can be that super person.
0: And then the last one we'll look at this morning
1: is look good. I don't do this one very well. But dress for them. Lose weight, right? Build muscle. Be strong, be powerful. Have the, you know, have the right kind of look, the right clothing, the right accessories. Like the right names. Make fun of the wrong names. Like Nickelback, right?
0: <laughs>
1: Make sure when you Enrique, Enrique Iglesias' song, Hero comes on, you don't sing along to it because people will judge you. Right? So just making sure you're, you're, you're looking good to the general public, to other people. Sound smart look sexy, look true, lose that weight, look good. So we spend all this time valuing ourselves, judging ourselves, am I okay? Am I doing enough, am I capable? Am I enough, am I too much? All based on what I do. <laughs> and like I said, there's, there's so many more. I mean, we listed four broad categories, but the reality is Each and every one of us has a list too long to count. There might be 10 or 15 or 20 big ones in our lives, but I guarantee you there's a long list of things that you're always evaluating yourself. The problem is that no matter what you do, there will never be enough. There will never work. You will never accomplish your goal of proving that you're worthy of that love. See, part of the problem is that that no matter what you do today, tomorrow's a new day. And so you might have worked really, really hard and you got so much accomplished and you check off all those boxes. You know, I I did all the things. I I lost some weight I ate well and I exercised and I looked good and I sounded smart and I didn't blow it, I didn't fail. Oh,
0: good. I made it today. You go to sleep. Then you wake up brand new day.
1: And guess what? You've got to do it all over again. Except the standard moved. That, that what used to be okay, you know, out of a 10, you know, what used to be a 10 out of a 10, suddenly now becomes a 7 out of 10. And more is expected. Well you want to make more money. You can help more people. You can sell smart. And I gotta climb that mountain all over again, every day. Exhausting myself. Or more likely what would is I blew it on that day. And I totally blew it and I just beat myself up over it. And the next day comes, and instead of starting off at zero, it feels like I'm starting off at one. That I gotta work extra hard today to make up for yesterdays, and last weeks, and last months last decades of failures. And I just can't ever seem to dig myself out of this
0: hole. But you're gonna fail, like, like a rigged casino. You're never gonna win.
1: Casino's a gambling term, Marco. You're, you're a Christian, so you don't understand it. But you'll, you'll, it you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out, right? Janice can tell you that, Here's the real reason why it will never work. It will never work because the love you and I require, the acceptance and the approval that will truly satisfy us, has to be unfinished. Meaning, you can't ever earn it, you can't ever do to get it. So, it has to be a gift of righteousness. So, it has to be something that's given to us. Without us earning, without us deserving, without us working for it, and yet that's exactly what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to earn it. We've been trying to to, to get it from what we do. And, and what we're doing in that moment is we are living like these Jews who are in the Old Testament. See, that was the mistake the Jews thought.
0: Listen to this: In Romans
1: nine, verse thirty-one. Paul writes this. He says, hey, People who were passionate about God, people who had a zeal for God, they loved God. They didn't—they weren't against God. I mean, they were serious about God. They were, they were following 613 commands.
0: That was their list of standards and
1: expectations, the old covenant. And if I do everything right in that old covenant, then everything will be okay. So Paul says here, Israel pursuing a law of righteousness, pursuing a, an acceptance, a worth, a, a approval based on what they do by measuring up to these laws, they did not arrive at that law, they never arrived at that standard. Why? Not because they didn't work hard
0: not because they didn't struggle
1: enough, but also because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works, by they thought it was what they did. See, that was the whole
0: old covenant system. It was a point of of trying to work, trying to achieve,
1: trying to earn it based on what you do. The problem is, that that wasn't God's intention for the Old Testament.
0: The Old Testament, the old covenant wasn't there to say,
1: here is your pathway to righteousness, guys. If you just do everything right with 613 commands, you're good, you're wonderful. How do we know that? Because that would have been self-generated righteousness. And Isaiah tells us that God hates self-changing the righteousness. The point of the old covenant, the point of the law, the standards, wasn't to be the pathway to success. It wasn't to be, if you do enough of this, then you'll be okay. The whole point of the law was to beat you up. It was to make your life miserable. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 to 9. He says this: such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we're adequate in ourselves. I love that. Not that we're adequate in ourselves. Not that, not that I can pull this off. Not that I can do it on my own. God isn't counting on me. I've heard that so many times. God's counting on you. No, you're, you're the hands and feet of Christ, and so therefore He needs you. No, He doesn't need me. He spoke all this into existence. I'm pretty sure he can handle it on his own. And so he's not depending on me. I'm not not adequate in myself. Not that we're adequate in ourselves considering anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy, ah, this is really cool. You're not adequate in yourself, but you are adequate. Our adequacy is from God. It's from Christ that's what's so powerful. It's not that Michael needs to do anything. It's not what we're looking for, what Michael to It's Christ in Michael that makes it powerful. That makes it powerful. So our adequacy is from God who made us adequate the servants of a new covenant, A different covenant. Not of the letter. What's the letter, friends? So we refer to the Mosaic Law. The Ten Commandments. all 600 plus commandments. All these rules and regulations, not with the letter, but with the Spirit. For the letter kills, For the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. Did you hear know what Paul called the ministry of the law? The old covenant? Ministry means to serve. And so, what does, what does the law serve you and I? It kills you, it condemns you, it offers you death. Anyone want to sign up for that one?
0: It sounds ridiculous. Who would ever sign up for that?
1: Well, we all can. Okay? We all have these standards, And what they do is they beat themselves. Now, again, maybe, maybe your standards are the, you know, part of those Ten Commandments, part of the, the commands in the Bible. And you think, well, if I just do all these things, they am going to be okay. And maybe it's other commands, other, other personal commands that you place on yourself to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to, to accomplish certain goals, to make sure you've done these things by age of 30 or 40 or 50 or so forth, to make sure that you're providing for your family. And so maybe it had nothing to do with the church. Or maybe, maybe there are certain roles that you can place in the church. you got to dress a certain way when you come to church. you got to make sure you're reading from the right Bible and you're singing the right music and the right songs and so forth. And you're going to these movies but not these movies. And you're not watching these programs because you wouldn't have TV. That's plain simple, right? So there's all kinds of, of rules that we place on ourselves. And Paul says, listen, do you not know what you do? Every time, every time you look to that standard, that expectation, that point of measurement to determine you're okay, you are eating death. Because that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to beat you up. It is supposed to
0: frustrate
1: you because in that frustration, it accomplishes its purpose. The law, the old covenant, was to kill and condemn and serve up death to force you, to push you to go looking for another. That you would finally reach that point, that place where you would say, I can't do this. There's nothing I can do that will ever be enough. There's nothing I can ever do that I would finally say,
0: I'm okay. i got to find another way. Enter Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life.
1: Enter grace. Something freely given that you do not deserve. Enter the new covenant. A whole new system. That's what's so beautiful about this. That it's not a, that we're we're going to go back to the old type of covenant now. That's what I see a lot of Christians doing. We're saved by grace, but now we are being made perfect by our efforts and by our attempts by what we do. No, no, no. That's the old covenant. That has been set aside. There is a new covenant. A new way of operating. A new way of living. And it's all based on what God has done. Let me, let me read three passages, three verses to you. And just listen to them. If it helps close your eyes. If you, Whatever, just, just listen to what God is saying to you in your verses. Because so often we've read them and just race past them. But really listen to them this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 21.
0: God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin
1: on your behalf so that you
0: might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 verse
1: 9 It may be found in Jesus not having a righteousness of life derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, the acceptance, the approval, the love which comes from God solely on the basis of the trust of faith. And lastly, Ephesians two eighty nine: For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can This is what God's done. You see, the, the cross is so powerful, and so magnificent. Because what He did on that cross is He took every single one of your failures. Every time you beat yourself up because you didn't measure up to that standard, that expectation, or that sin that you committed, and you beat yourself up for it, God says, Don't. I took all of that onto me. And, and beating yourself up, punishing yourself, is nothing but serve the enemy's purpose. I
0: paid. I paid for it all. You are forgiven. Completely. Of everything. Even where it's off the sin, it's gone. Forgiven. It. You are pure. But not only
1: that. No, he's done way more. He, he placed you and I in Christ on that cross. So that you and I, that person that was never going to be good enough, was crucified and buried. That evil wicked person is gone. So that God can make us new people. God can make you a new person. We don't, we don't come to the Bible. We don't come to Jesus so we can figure out what do I need mean to do to be good. No, we come to Jesus so he can make you good. And that's what he's done. He's made you righteous. He's made you acceptable. Today. Even on your worst day. Even in the midst of your worst sin. You're still up and accepted. Because it isn't about what you do. It's about what Jesus is. You and I are right now seated with him in heavenly places. You've already made it. There isn't the a question have you done
0: enough? Are you going to be okay? There's no report card. It was all settled on the cross.
1: And if we can begin to believe, I mean really begin to believe this. That when, when shame, when the enemy comes and especially when we blow it, or even just the temptation to to do more. When that thought comes, if we can in this moment, in that moment, really hold to the truth, I am perfectly loved and accepted, okay? No matter what, our whole world begins to change. Maybe not your circumstances, but your whole world changes. Here's, I made a list of some of the things as I was praying about it this week, what would be different to me? The first one there is this. Peace, quietness, and
0: confidence. See, I think of it in these ways that
1: when when you know that you're loved by Jesus, it's really hard to, to uproot that person. I love how the the writer of the Gospel of John. Any ideas who wrote the Gospel of John? And I guess John. Good, good. You come to the front row now, cool. right? So. So John wrote the Gospel of John, and he guesses on how he called and referred to himself in the beginning of the Gospel of John. And he guesses that was your chance, Michael. Now you really got to go fast, John. Right? That's he calls himself John, but by the end of the book, he's calling himself the One whom Jesus loves. I love that. I am convinced that when I meet John in heaven. When I come up and I introduce myself and he introduces himself to me, he's not gonna say, I'm John. He's not gonna hand me a, a resume, a CV of all that he's done. You know, John I, I was one of the original disciples. In fact, he was in the top three, right? Peter, James, and John.
0: And I I saw Jesus do
1: all those miracles and wonders. In fact, not the most, but I did some of those things too. And uh, you know, when all of the disciples, the families, well. There was one, and I'm one of the original apostles. In fact, I'm the second most prolific writer of the New Testament. Just out that point, I knew. That's why I don't think he'd introduce himself that way at all. I'm convinced when he meets me, and I meet him, he's going to say, I'm the one that Jesus loves. How do you hurt that person? How do you how do you tear that person down? Well,
0: John, uh, glad you kind of mentioned some of those things. You know, second most prolific writer. That's just the first
1: loser. That's all it is. And by the way, speaking of your writing style, it is so circular and crazy. I mean, could you not learn a little bit from Paul? It'd be a little bit more linear. It'd make it more sense. I mean, come on now, it's ridiculous. And and I was expecting something different. Just saying. <laughs> No one of the kids say? I'm sorry you feel all that, but I'm the
0: one who Jesus loves. Jesus loves me. He
1: loves all of me, every part of me. He's madly in love with me.
0: And you can't take that away from me.
1: It'd be like someone having $40 billion and losing 10 grand. The there's peace, there's violence, there's confidence. There's victory over sin now. First off, most sin is there because it's me trying to prove that I'm worthy of love or, or numb the pain when I don't feel loved and I'm dealing with those hurts. But when you begin to know that you love Jesus, sin no longer has any kind of it's like being, being drinking all this clean, healthy water, and someone offers you sewer water, you're like, no, thank you. I, I'm happy with my clean water. But if you're dying of thirst, that dirty water starts to look really nice and clean. And so when you know that you're loved, you're satisfied, you're, you're filled up for within you. But not only that, when sin comes now, you're like, I don't want to be part of that. Because that's not good by me. So there's victory over sin and temptation. No more pretending or posing. No more need to put on masks. No more need to hide my limp. to think and pretend that hey, I'm master life. I've got it all figured out. I have, you know, I'm the one. I can struggle Which means I'm the one that Jesus loves. But I don't always believe that every day. I don't always act that way every
0: day, and that's okay. Because the love I have isn't dependent upon what God what I do for but what God is done for
1: me. so what that means is I can now trust others with my stuff.
0: I can trust you guys with my struggles that I, I get angry sometimes
1: with my with my beautiful wife and my kids that I pull away and I disengage because it's too overwhelming for me to That I, I struggle with shame. And sometimes I secretly enjoy country. I can share surely you like that. Because it's okay. I'm the one who Jesus loves.
0: I'm more striving. Because i got nothing to prove it. I love this one.
1: You and I, we get to be a safe place. Storm for others. What I mean by that is, is others will see that rest, that confidence, that peace. That I'm not trying to get love from you, so I will be okay. I'm okay because Jesus loves me. I get to now offer that love to other people, and that's attractive to people. People want to experience that. And that immediately makes me a better parent. Because I don't have to worry about kids acting the right way anymore. Are they behaving right? Are they doing okay? Hey, they're no longer a reflection of who I am. Who I am is not determined by how I parents are. It's not determined by how my wife acts. It's not determined how, how things are going at work. Who I am is determined by what happened and I get to now be a safe support, a safe encouragement
0: to other people. Because I get to look out for their best interest, not just mine. And
1: I think of what that would do to our families, to our marriages, but to the community. Because we live in a world that's dying, that is in tremendous pain, and sorrow and darkness. And if you have any doubt, go on social media. We laugh about how ugly it is on on Twitter and Facebook and these anonymous postings and so forth. But you know what I see? I see hurting and desperate people. Starving for someone to love. That's our greatest evangelist to But you can't give what you don't have. So we got to receive that love from God to love ourselves so that we can now love other people and then finally we can quit chasing these worthless goals quit
0: quit pursuing this idea that I just I gotta have a business that is this big or I got to make sure I get this promotion or I gotta make sure you know I have this
1: experience and that we just pursue all these, these worthless temple things it's not to say that they're bad it's not to say that you can't enjoy them what I'm saying is that's not what life's about. What life is about is walking with Jesus. And Ephesians 2, 10 says that he has prepared beforehand these incredible, tremendous works that we might walk together with him. So we get to walk with Jesus. And maybe that is in building a business. And maybe that is in going on adventures and so forth. But it's not about the business. It's not about the adventure anymore. It's about, I got to do that with Jesus. That's what it's
0: So here's the question I want you guys to ponder.
1: The rest of the day, this week, mostly really, your whole lives. The question is this, will you trust that God's love is enough? That when you're doubting yourself with when you're when you're struggling with shame, and you're struggling with these questions: Am I enough? Am I too much? Do I have it takes? Am I worthy of being loved and accepted? Will you trust that you're the one who Jesus loves? Will you trust that God's love, that God's opinion of you is all that matters, and He is head over heels in love with you? I love you, do not earn. I love you, do not deserve. A love that he chooses to give you A love that is based on what he has accomplished on that cross. That's what makes you good. That's what makes you accepted. That is your righteousness. And when you trust in God's love for you, God's acceptance for you, in order that you will love and accept yourself,
0: and you'll be okay with you, just as you are. With all your perceived
1: flaws and perceived shortcomings and all your failures and all your screw ups and all your past. I'm okay.
0: Because I'm the one who Jesus loves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord. we asked
1: earlier this morning, but we ask it again. Would your Holy Spirit come and convict us up. As you said, you would send it to do.
0: And you would convict
1: us of our righteousness. Our righteousness not based on what we do, not based on our own efforts, not based on our works, not based on us trying to measure up, but rather, Father, based on what you have done and what you have accomplished. Our righteousness, which is by, and you know, by faith. By trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on cross. And now we would have permission now to apply your love, your acceptance, and loving and accepting ourselves as we are, and being free, free of the pressures, the standards, and expectations that the world and our enemy tries to place in us. In your name we pray.